the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Firing Line with Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle and Pistol Association. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Vortex Optics, Cutting Edge Bullets, and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. And now, your host, Rick Travis. Good afternoon, patriots of the Inland Empire and beyond. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the legislative director for the California Rifle Pistol Association, welcoming you to CRPA Firing Line Radio. We're so happy today to have one of um, just an amazing individual, someone I've got to know in this space over the past decade, who is a stalwart fighter nationally for your rights. We have Cam Edwards of Cam Company, Bearing Arms. Cam, you've been everywhere. Thank you for being on the show today. Uh, Rick, listen, I, I appreciate the invite. I always love getting a chance to talk with you and Chuck and the other folks from the California Rifle and Pistol Association. So I am, uh, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to come on. This is great. So this week, um, folks, we always bring you up to date. And as I told you last week, we would have bills dropping. So far, California has dropped 2,000 bills in the last four days in the legislature, of which is more than sometimes three or four states combined do in an entire year. Um, many of those do impact firearms and Senator Anthony Portentino, who is running for Adam Schiff's congressional seat, had promised us he was going to come out with a doozy, and he did. It dropped this week. It's Senate Bill 1160. That's Senate Bill 1160. And we're going to need your help out there to reach out to the California Rifle Pistol Association, listen to those alerts, and help us in this battle. So what does 1160 do? Cam, you're going to love this. It is a bill that requires every firearm in California to be registered with the state and be taxed annually in order to keep it. I, 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 I love the fact that I don't live in California. Um, I, I, I hate this bill. This is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, they're, they're not even trying to disguise what they're doing anymore, Rick. I was just looking at the press release that Portentino sent out here. He said, this will give the state better data and help us understand how many firearms are in private hands and who owns them. Currently, we only have rough estimates on how many firearms are in California. This important step towards registration will also increase accountability and responsible gun ownership as we collectively endeavor to increase public safety. How does the government, knowing who is exercising their fundamental right to keep and bear arms, benefit the government in any way, shape, or form? 
we have this right. Are they are they going to try to figure out, you know, who's exercising their First Amendment rights next? Are they uh, going to, you know, be doing surveys? We want to know where you go to church on Sunday just so we can make sure that you're exercising that First Amendment right responsibly. This is insane. Well, and it's insane, too, when you think about criminals, by their very definition, are never going right. to follow this. So they're never going to know what they need to know. And this is what we keep saying in the Capitol you keep squeezing the law-abiding citizen in this plight. And one of the things that they say all the time, Cam, inside the legislature, well, if it saves just one life. But as we all know, just CCW holders nationwide, according to the FBI's own data, which I think is skewed against us personally, admits that there's over a quarter of a million people's lives are saved each year. So when you put those two weights in the balance... Uh, it would seem you would want to support law-abiding gun owners, not penalize them if you want to save the most lives. So that argument doesn't even hold. No, absolutely. And, you know, the uh, the senator pointed, uh, he quoted uh, attorney Brian Hennigan uh, and Loyola Law School professor Lori Levinson, who both suggested the bill. Uh, and uh, Hennigan said, um, this is an important tool to remind all citizens of the civic responsibility that comes with owning a firearm. No, it's not. This is a mandate on every lawful gun owner to fork over money in exchange for exercising that fundamental civil right. This is this is an important reminder of the tyranny that California gun owners are living under, frankly. Right. And, and this whole idea, and we got to get gun owners to wake up. I mean, they keep, Portentino's also trying to equate, well, you have to register your car. Yeah, there's a difference. Driving a car, as much as Californians and Americans love to drive them, is a privilege. Having firearms is a right, and there's a difference between those two things. Absolutely. Um, you know, it is. I, I got to say, Rick, it is so disappointing to see not only California, but the massive resistance to Bruin that we are seeing from Democrats around the country right now. And California certainly leads the way in that regard. I mean, you know, going back to SB2 and, and some of the other provisions that we've seen post-Bruin. But, you know, it has become so clear in talking to you and, and Chuck and, you know, some of the other attorneys have been litigating uh, the laws that are already in place that the, the goal of all of these laws and all of these proposals it's not about public safety. It is about eradicating this fundamental right. You're trying to shut down gun stores or gun shows from operating, trying to uh, prevent gun owners from talking to one another, trying to prevent gun owners from, you know, operating uh, junior shooting sports leagues and things of that nature. I mean, none of those are aimed at preventing violent crime. These are all aimed at, at preventing lawful gun ownership and, and hoping to choke off that right to keep and bear arms so that they, the next generation coming up it doesn't understand what they're losing and what they've lost when it's taken from them. I, I couldn't agree more. And one of the things I find so irritating and is just appalled me over the past few weeks is, as you know, when we just had the, the roadie case decision that mm-hmm. was done by Judge Benitez, he was very, very meticulous in applying the Bruin standard to the case, which I loved. But he pointed out how much the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, Attorney General Rob Bonta, and the left, including Portentino and those people, hate our community because every reason they cited for going after ammunition, going after magazines, going after our firearms, including what this proposed bill a couple of hours we're going to talk about, 
is built on a racist history of firearms ownership here in the United States. You know, they were citing, oh, well, you know what? We we took away these rights from freed black slaves, which was like, wait, wait a second. You are going back and you're trying to use a law of one of the biggest travesties of American history to justify it when you claim you're the most equitable, diverse group of people in politics. But they didn't stop there. They went to, oh, we did it to the Japanese during World War II, and we did it to the Latinos, and we did it to Catholics. And like every one of those examples the judge cited was the worst of racism. And I'm just telling you right now, I am going to bring that up in every testimony. So is your arguments for this just as racist as every other one that you lose in the court? Like, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, listen, the, the text of the Second Amendment is clear, right? We, the people, possess the right to keep and bear arms. The, the struggle throughout the past 250 years has been expanding the scope of who we, the people, actually are, right? And so, as you say, in the uh, 18th century and early 19th century, uh, unfortunately, there were attempts to place these entire classes of individuals outside of the the, the political body. Right. So if you were a, a free black slave uh, or if you were a, a Native American or if you were a Catholic uh, in some states, then, again, you are not considered to be a, a real American. You are considered to be part of we the people. Well, we've done an amazing job, I think, over the past two centuries of expanding who we the people are. Right. And, and now it is basically uh, everybody over the age of 18. Uh, men and women alike, regardless of your religion, regardless of your race, color, or creed, you are recognized as part of the people. That's a wonderful thing, and it means you should be able to enjoy the full flower of your individual rights. But as you say, the gun control groups are are still relying on their racist roots to try to uh, infringe on on all of us exercising this right. Yeah, and I, one of the challenges that we're having in California, I want people to understand is a lot of Californians are like, screw it, I'm going to leave to another state. And I love having you on the show today because you're a voice from outside the state that can testify this. This insanity in California is spreading across the country. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away from here. I'm in Virginia. We have... We have one seat majorities for Democrats in our House of Delegates and our state Senate. One seat majorities. That's it. Rick, they've introduced, I think, 47 gun control bills so far this session, which is about 40 more than they normally do. And they are marching in lockstep to advance, you know, semi-auto bans, to make new gun-free zones, to mandate storage requirements. All of these, they're trying to turn us into East California. And they're 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 borrowing liberally, no pun intended, from the progressive playbook. They're taking these bills that have been introduced or passed in California, and they're trying to bring them to to the Commonwealth of Virginia. And they're doing this in state after state: Colorado, New Mexico, uh, Minnesota. You know, they are trying to Californicate the country. Unfortunately, and so, folks, that's why I'm saying we're not just fighting in this state. When you're part of the California Rifle Pistol Association, Gun Owners of California, and other groups here, we are fighting not just for our constitutional rights in this state, but for the entire nation. This fight starts here, goes everywhere else. So don't run. Stand your ground. 
Stand with us here in California and help us defeat this and turn it around. Remember, voting has already started. Get out there and vote. And vote to remove the people that aren't serving you, the people. Because it's time you show them who's the boss in this state. We'll be back on Firing Line Radio. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, the Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. And folks, if you haven't joined the CRPA, go to CRPA.org and join now. We are the ones on the front line fighting cases like making sure you have access to standard capacity magazines that were designed for your firearm, making sure that we're defeating the attempts by the government to limit how and when you can get ammunition when you had Freedom Week with your magazines, when we just had Freedom Week with being able to buy ammunition. That's all to do to the work that the California Rifle Pistol Association does. We're out there making sure training is compliant here in California so you have the best training possible, making sure you have access to CCWs under our work with the state sheriffs. We have tripled the number of CCWs here in the state. So, folks, join at CRPA.org. With me today is Cam Edwards of Cam & Company and Bearing Arms, and we're discussing some of the new legislation that's been dropped. And one of these pieces is, I'm just going to say up front, folks, a lot of you support law enforcement. Some of you have a bone to pick with law enforcement because you feel that they've had carve-outs or exceptions that, you know, do as I say, not as as you do kind of things. And there is some truth behind that. I'm not going to say that hasn't been a sediment. But, folks, they are now going after law enforcement in a creative way. And before anybody gets giddy out there, if that happens to be your take on the things, I want you to take a deep breath and a pause and hear me out. So we had a bill earlier this year, Senate Bill 742, that which got defeated. 
and 742 is an issue. 742's whole concept was, get this, that police should not have canines. And the reason they shouldn't have canines is because, well, canines would trigger people of color to feel like that they were being enslaved or persecuted again. Now, what's ironic is a lot of the canines used today weren't even dog breeds during the times when these issues went on. But that was the the concept. That bill was defeated by a wide range of and coalition of different groups outside of law enforcement that came together. Now the bill has been reintroduced after dying, and just literally three days later with now what is called Assembly Bill 2042, and what it does is it's making the argument that law enforcement is not sufficiently trained to handle a big dog, like a Belgian Malois. Now, if this bill passes, let me explain what this does. This is what we call a setup bill or a steady bill. So they passed this bill, so now law enforcement loses their canines. Some of you are like, well, that's okay. I'm not in law enforcement. Folks, they're coming for you next. Because the argument already they're trying to make is a lot of you don't need big dogs. If your dog doesn't fit in the stroller, no offense to those that have them, and you can't ride around with it, well, then you can't have it. And before you say, oh, come on, Rick, realize we have defeated bills that were designed to take out any of your upland game bird dogs because they might be in a field where pheasant and quail were at the same time a deer would cross, even though Labrador retrievers are not used to attack deer or go after deer. Didn't stop them from trying it. We defeated that bill. But now there is a bill that's being discussed. It hasn't been introduced yet. It's still in the discussion phase. But it would be the second attempt to eliminate sporting dogs. What are sporting dogs? Think your Cocker Spaniel, your Springer Spaniel, your Brittany Spaniel, your Labrador, your Golden Retrievers, you know, Curly Coat Retrievers. Yes, because these dogs are harmful, and they would not be allowed in California. What does that have to do with firearms? Because if you can't have a sporting dog, you can't retrieve waterfowl or upland game. Therefore, you can't do those activities. And so there goes hunting, and there goes the right to own those firearms and have ranges that have largely been held open for that purpose. So, folks, this is why you're going to hear us talk about it, this craziness, Cam. This is absolutely nuts. I mean, uh, you know, the uh we, we all know the meme about the ATF shooting dogs, but uh, California wanted to ban dogs. I mean, you know, we you would think that California's experience in trying to ban guns in high capacity magazines and uh you know, how 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 worthless this has been would uh, lead them away from trying to ban animate objects. Uh, but no, this is this is absolutely crazy. And the idea that, well, you know, you can't control these dogs. So I live on a farm in uh, rural Virginia. I have a uh, Great Pyrenees who's about, she's about 85 pounds or so, not, not, not too big. I also have a Bernese Mountain dog who is a little more than a year old and pushing 100 pounds right now. And, you know, listen, I, I will confess it is a struggle to uh, handle the Bernie's mountain dog in particular when he sees one of the cats or a squirrel or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, listen, I, I, I'm still able to do so. The idea that police aren't able to handle their canines is absolutely absurd. And again, you know, how they extrapolate this, Rick, it always trickles down, right? It always trickles down to the rest of us, even when you've got bills that, you know, exempt law enforcement, they're the only ones, right. Who get to, you know, own off roster handguns and things of that nature. 
all of the the really restrictive laws come down on us, the lawful citizens, right? That's who it's directed against. And this is California not only trying to tell you what guns you can own, how you can exercise your Second Amendment rights, but again, now they're telling you what kind of pet you can have, right? And and this is just absurd to me. I mean, one of the big issues in, in rural Virginia over the past couple of decades has been we have hunting with hounds. And there have been uh, some property owners in particular who have complained about, you know, the dogs running across their land and frightening their livestock and things of that nature. And it's been a slow but steady push to eradicate hunting with dogs in Virginia. Um, we are still able to do so. But every year, it seems the Democrats are back with another bill trying to end this practice. And my response is always, why do you want to kill off all these dogs? Because that's exactly what's going to happen. If you say, well, you can't hunt with these dogs, there's no reason for these dog owners to to maintain, you know, six or eight hounds. Uh, they're either going to uh, euthanize them or some irresponsible owners are probably just going to let them loose. And then you've got an even bigger problem. Um, this, to me, seems like the classic solution in search of a problem. And I know that California lawmakers specialize in that, but this is this is one of the more uh, ridiculous and and honestly like underhandedly nefarious pieces of legislation. I know you say it hasn't been formally introduced yet. Let's hope it let's hope it stays in the bad idea pile as opposed to moving over to the bad bill pile. Yeah, and but speaking of bad bill pile, we also have uh, a bill that we're fighting right now, and I'm sure you've heard about it's Assembly Bill 262, which is going after ranges at youth camps and trying to to close that out. Um, they, of course, have not talked to the CRPA, which is celebrating its 150th anniversary and 150 years with literally billions of trigger pulls. Not one kid has died at a camp, at a camp range or anything like yeah. that. But now they want to come in with social services and everybody else that has nothing to do with ranges and tell us how to run ranges. And when I brought this up, a lot of people in our community were like, well, they really won't go for that. They're not going to go after ranges. Well, now they have a bill that is out, which is Senate Bill 1020. It's brought out by Senator Bradford. And this bill says that targets, targets have to change. And one of the things that has to change on the targets is no people of color can be on targets. You can have white people on white people, and you can shoot those. But you can't have anything, any any other representation of any other human being or anything of color on a target. If they get this passed for law enforcement, that's going to come down to us. So there goes your zombie targets and all the fun things you've been able to shoot at. They're also trying to eliminate animal targets so that kids will never be able to go like at scout camp or anything else and be able to shoot at those. This is them trying to take over our space completely. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and again, as you say, these are people who are not shooters. They, you know, in many cases, they're not gun owners. Uh, they're not regularly visiting the range and they have no desire to protect this right. That, that's not their goal, right? It's not to improve public safety. Uh, right. it is not to, I don't even think it's about, you know, saving people from hurt feelings. As you say, this is about invading your space, invading the space of lawful gun owners and telling them, listen, this is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to live. You're going to obey our rules that we set for you. Uh, and if you don't, we'll shut your range down. We'll take away your access for recreational shooting. Uh, and frankly, I mean, we know that's the goal anyway. But I, I'm curious, I mean, do you see a 
do you see a First Amendment angle to to this? Because this isn't just an attack on gun owners. I mean, this is honestly, in a way, this is an attack on speech. And we've seen that before when it comes to speech directed at uh, gun owners. Yeah, no, I totally see this as a First Amendment attack because they are going after the freedom of speech and and choice. And I, I believe that if they were able to get this across, I don't think they will this session. But like you said, this is going to be similar to your dog bell for hunting in, in Virginia. They're going to keep bringing it back with the hope mm-hmm. that they'll eventually wear it down and get it through. And we'll eventually have to sue on this. And that will be part of the lawsuit. I'm sure talking with Chuck and Matt and Tiffany and some of the other attorneys there at Michelle and Associates and to uh, a law center to ALC that they will definitely be fighting this on a First Amendment challenge. We're going to come back, folks, here in just a, a minute to talk to you more about the overall attack that Cam and I discussed when we first met on NRA radio years ago. We'll be back here on Fine Line Radio in just a moment. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe and the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Spartans, lay down your weapons! Persians, come and get them! Welcome back to Firing Line Radio. I'm your host, Rick Travis, Legislative Director for the California Rifle Pistol Association. With me today is Cam Edwards of Bearing Arms. We're talking about some of the new legislation dropped and and some of the ways that we're going to be finding it. One of the places I would love for you to go is to 2ALC.com, stands for Second Amendment Law Center, and I would love for you to go there and see the great assembly of attorneys that have been placed together, and if you want to, you can contribute, but it's a great place for you to go find out what is going on on your behalf. They work directly with the California Rifle Pistol Association at crpa.org. Folks, we were just talking about going after law enforcement, coming after us through the back door and trying to take away our rights and drone them. And when Cam and I first met on NRA TV years ago, one of the things that we discussed during that initial interview was how our community is trying to be manipulated by the government because the government doesn't like that, by and large, we're a very self-reliant group of people. We like to be able to provide for our families. We like to know how to do things. And we don't like being dependent on the government for, mother, may I have this, mother, may I have that. We like to do for ourselves and be self-sufficient. Cam, one of the things I've noticed, um, especially over the last two years, is you know we have a lot of people that um, some are called preppers. Uh, we have people that are very much politically to the left, but they they plant urban gardens. They have chickens, sometimes a goat if it's allowed. Um, they like to collect rainwater because why wouldn't you? Instead of letting it just flow down into the ocean. Um, and now we're seeing local jurisdictions from the city level and town level all the way up to the state level, 
taking away your right to collect rainwater off of your own roof, taking away the right to grow vegetables in your own backyard, taking the right to have certain pets, certain animals, or you know, one community where I live down in Orange County, they literally are to have three chickens. It's a $150 annual fee, which means time you figure out the cost, they basically have priced you out of doing anything. Um, and you can't see it anything but a control method because you could still have the chickens. So any threat the chickens right. are causing are still there. And people are like, Oh, no, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's to protect us. How does that protect you? That the city gets 150 bucks and makes it cost prohibitive does not protect you. So no, and protect you from what? They're chickens, for goodness sakes. You're right. I mean, you know, I have, I have, I have several hens right outside my studio at the moment. You may, in fact, hear a rooster crow uh, in the background. And I can tell you, uh, well, I have had one rooster that uh, did have a chip on his shoulder. Um, we don't have attack hens. You don't need to be protected from from laying hens. They're they're fine. Well, I got. I have to confess, we had some chickens at one point. We had one uh, leghorn that was rather thin, but Flora was known as being the kung fu chicken by our neighbors. She <laughs> took on cats. She took on crows. She did not know how small she was, but um, she was ferocious, and we loved her. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of this, but no. I just find it in a, in a time of. Food insecurity, especially for, and I'm going to say this, I see this, a lot of this as being racially motivated. You know, um, I grew up in a very impoverished area of the South Bay um, in Gardena, and being able to grow your own food, there wasn't a grocery store in every corner um, like there are in some urban centers. You had to go a ways. I had to pay big money. And so a lot of people chose to grow food. Um, Gardena historically had been very uh, Japanese, so there was a big landscape and and uh, focus on food, mm-hmm. and yet now you're seeing that dry up. And I look back at where I grew up, I look back even where I live now, and say, "Wow, this is really getting to be serious." At a time where you know we learned from the pandemic, food didn't get delivered. Uh, Costco's uh, couldn't solve everybody's problem, or Walmart's, and right. I just see this again as an other attempt by the progressive left to enslave the people. And to say that, again, they're they're your lord and master over everything, including the rainwater that falls on your roof, right? That you own nothing. You only exist to serve the whims of the state. Uh, and, and that is so un-American. Uh, that is, you know, it's not just a matter of it being tyrannical. It is fundamentally un-American, you know, in 2012, my wife and I and our kids moved from uh, northern Virginia, Fairfax County, to rural Virginia. It was about three hours south of D.C. And it was, uh, you know, Rick, I mean, it was, it was a, a struggle. Um, I was still working up in northern Virginia. I ended up renting a nine-foot by nine-foot uh, bedroom in a townhouse in Alexandria, and I would stay up there during the week. I'd drive home some Wednesday nights when I got homesick, and I'd drive home Friday night, drive back Monday morning. Did that for about a year and a half. But I did it because my wife and I decided it was going to be a better life for our family, even with all of those inconveniences that that we would be facing. It was still going to be better than the life that we were living, where we could look out our front window and see 28, 29 other roofs. And we just felt like we were living on top of people. And we had a homeowners association that was... You know, one of those HOAs where if your grass is an eighth of an inch too long, you get a letter in the mail. If you don't uh, have your leaves blown by, you know, 1030 in the morning on Saturday, you're going to get dinged. 
And I am now my own HOA, which is great. And, you know, the first thing we did was we planted our garden. We bought a flock of chickens. We got three goats, and my wife learned how to milk them. Uh, we had our own pigs, and we slaughtered them for food. And uh, I have always said that happy hogs make tasty bacon, and I, I stand by that statement. But that was, you know, part of it was wanting to become more self-sufficient and wanting to know that I could do these things. Because I grew up a suburban kid in Oklahoma, my mom grew up on a farm, but, you know, I was one generation removed from that. And I wanted not only to know that I could do these things, but I wanted my kids to have these skills, too. And since we've lived here over the past 10 years, it's actually been fascinating. We've had a huge influx of, of Amish uh, families coming in from uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio. And I mean, I thought that I was pretty self-sufficient, but now I realize, no, no, I've still got a long way to go when I'm talking to my neighbors <laughs> and I've seen all the work that they're doing. You know, one of our Amish farms not long ago actually had a, a raid from the USDA for selling raw milk. And, you know, they're they're now under criminal investigation because they're selling milk that the government doesn't want them to sell. So the idea that, you know, California is now going after backyard gardens or they're trying to stop you from raising chickens. They're, again, they're trying to keep you as weak as you can be and as dependent, as you say, on on the government on private businesses, but they don't want you to be able to do for yourself, right? And I think that that does also include your ability to protect yourself. They want you to rely on law enforcement that may be minutes away when seconds count. They want you to call 911 uh, rather than being able to pick up a firearm when someone is breaking through your door in the middle of the night. Uh, and you're supposed to just sit there and take it until police arrive. And, you know, again, this is something that is not only fundamentally unconstitutional, but it is, I think, fundamentally un-American. It is, it is the exact opposite of what the founders were striving for when they cast off the shackles of the crown and declared this to be an independent nation. This is so far removed from the attitudes that, that birthed this country. And it is just, you know, I, again, I'm glad to see that you're bringing this up because this is uh, you know, our fight for our freedoms, we talk a lot about our Second Amendment rights, but our fight for our freedoms encompass far more than just our right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, and one of the things I want to touch on that you just said, I mean, you know, when the seconds count, it's also the things that change. You know, I, I did EMS work for over 25 years of my life, and one of the things that I realized was, you know, at the beginning, firefighters, law enforcement, paramedics, we all ran into the fray. That was like the way things worked. But then, especially after 9-11, it was a hard turn. It became this not until the scene is safe. And we would be told as medics, even when law enforcement was being shot at, not until everything's secured, can you go in? So this concept of somebody being in a home invasion robbery of help's going to come barge. Nope. Not until the SWAT team. I mean, you are at such a disadvantage. It's not even funny. If you don't have your own first aid materials, your own things that take care of yourself and know how to use them, you will most likely not make it. And that's the sad fact. And so this is one of the reasons I'm appealing to a lot of you out there. As you're listening to Cam and I talk today, I want you to think about whether you own a firearm or not. That's not my message. My message to you today is, look, you need to wake up. This is the time. California's primary ends on March 5th. That's the last day to vote. Right now, you're able to vote. You need to go out there. You can go to CRPA.org, see the voting guide as it applies to those that support your Second Amendment rights, which you can fairly well figure out will probably support your right to be self-sufficient. 
um, because they believe in you, the people, and not the government over the people. But, folks, you've got to wake up and start realizing what the Second Second Amendment community has had a hard time with, and that is do not become fractionalized. Don't go, well, I don't do that particular thing. Rick, I don't raise bees, or Rick, I don't raise chickens. So why does that apply? Because any attack on a law-abiding citizen to be able to provide for their family in any aspect is an attack on every member of we the people, on all of us. And I'm going to close this part of this segment out with, in every other part of the world, when government does this, do you know what we call it? A human rights violation, which is the ultimate irony when the far left says we want to take away these rights because we support human rights. No, they're actually practicing the opposite of what they claim. We'll be back here on Firing Line Radio. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one hunting, fishing, and shooting sports retailer since 1971, now has 33 locations across California and one in Tucson, Arizona. Turner's is your one-stop shop for all your shooting sports and fishing tackle needs. We offer a full selection and unmatched prices on firearms, ammunition, gun safes, shooting accessories, archery equipment, and fishing tackle. Visit turners.com now and sign up for the Turner's Discount Club for free and get our weekly ads and members-only specials sent directly to your inbox. For more info, to sign up for the Turner's Discount Club or to shop online, visit turners.com. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back to Fine Line Radio, Patriots. In this, our final segment, we're going to be talking with our good friend, Cam Edwards, today of Bearing Arms. And one of the things that we're going to do is, like we do every week, we're going to let Cam tell us some of the things that he's looking on beyond our state borders because... Hey, some of the goombas up inside of our capital look to see what other people are doing across the nation just as much as they push our erroneous legislation across and see if they can bring it here. So, Cam, you have more of the 40,000-foot level above the nation than I do because I'm locked into battle here in Sacramento. So uh, what do you see going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I, bearing arms could be California exclusive. I mean, really, you have so much going on in your state that, uh, if, if a week goes by on Cam and Company and I haven't spoken to Chuck or I haven't spoken to, you know, Costas or one of the other attorneys at Michelle and Associates, I almost feel like I'm going through withdrawal symptoms because there's always something going on within your borders. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is that this year we really are seeing this concentrated push to enact bans on so-called assault weapons. Uh, I mentioned in Virginia where Democrats have one seat majorities in both chambers. They're running a semi-auto ban. 
um, regardless of the fact we've got a Democrat, a Republican governor who's, you know, probably going to veto that bill. Um, in Minnesota, just saw the same thing, sweeping semi-auto ban introduced. Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham in New Mexico. Uh, that was one of her, uh, you know, most important gun control bills this session. And it looks like, uh, as you and I are talking, we are about two hours away from the legislative session in, in New Mexico drawing to a close. And I think that that gun ban is going to remain on the sidelines, but she's been pushing hard for this. And she may very well bring lawmakers back for a special session uh, to enact this. Colorado is another really good example of a state that has you know, flipped. It's been blue. And for a long time, they were kind of nibbling at the edges of gun control because there is such a strong culture of gun ownership in Colorado. Well, they're not nibbling anymore. Uh, you know, we've seen bills this year that would basically borrow from SB2 in California and imposing all kinds of new gun-free zones in a state that has had shall issue right to carry for more than 20 years. According to the Crime Prevention Research Center, about 15% of adults in Colorado possess a carry license. That's a pretty big voting block, you know, but Democrats don't care. They are saying, well, now you can't carry in, you know, uh, A through Z locations because we've declared them to be sensitive. They've introduced another uh, sweeping semi-auto ban, even though Governor Jared Polis, who kind of bills himself as a libertarian Democrat, more Democrat than libertarian. But, uh, you know, he's been kind of iffy on uh, on support for a gun ban. Democrats don't care. They're going to try to get one to his desk. And I think part of this is Joe Biden is running so hard on gun control this year that Democrats at the state level are trying to. To, to give him support, right? But I think also they're looking at the current makeup of the Supreme Court. They know that it will not be long before SCOTUS hears a gun ban challenge, whether it's the Bianchi case out of Maryland, um, one of the cases out of Illinois, Harold versus Raul, and uh, Bevis versus Naperville. Both of those uh, received cert petitions this week where uh, Second Amendment groups were asking the Supreme Court to hear these cases. And, you know, you've got, uh, what was it, Miller uh, versus Bonta out of California, right? So that that's another vehicle that the court could use to strike down these types of gun bans. And I think, I think the gun control groups and anti-gun politicians, they're well aware that that is likely to be one of the next major Second Amendment cases that the court accepts. And so they're trying to... You have this narrative that that these bans are widespread, that these bans are commonplace, because right now it's really only a handful of states that, that have these types of prohibitions on the book. They are the outliers, and so they want to create this narrative that oh no no we we're the majority, uh, and the majority of Americans want these types of bans. So they are pushing as hard as I have ever seen in twenty years of covering the Second Amendment on a daily basis, sweeping semi-auto bans, attacks on the right to carry. Uh, the mask is off in, in a lot of these states, even states where, you know, Democrats have claimed to be really moderate and with the, oh, we just want to, res- we want to respect the rights of gun owners while setting these, you know, reasonable measures. They're not really talking about reasonable measures anymore. Uh, they're not talking about common sense. They may claim that it's common sense, but they're certainly not talking about respecting the rights of gun owners. Uh, again, the, the demand is for gun owners to fall in line, to give up their rights and, if not to face the criminal consequences for that. And that's something that's, you know, been really unusual to see in these states that have the sort of bluish purple states where, where Democrats have really been reluctant to, to go too far. It's pedaled on the metal this year. And I think one of the things to frame this about is here in California, our progressive left has done everything humanly possible 
to depopulate the prison system by letting hardened criminals out. We have 30,000 people and growing on what's called our APPS list, which is the Armed Prohibited Persons System, which is, you know, people that have committed murders and other um, violent crimes, rapes, et cetera, often with a firearm. They're not allowed to have firearms, but yet DOJ knows they have a firearm, and we don't make any arrests. But, you know, you go to register your AR-15, and you send in a, a photo that's not quite clear, and DOJ has no problem showing up at your front door with a SWAT team to, to take a look at it and say, how did that happen? And so I think this is one of the things people have to realize, too, is if this was truly about public safety, then why are they laying the criminals out and making the law-abiding into criminals that they won't let out? Yeah, absolutely. This is something we're seeing in Maryland, too. Um, you know, it's interesting. The first year that Shall Issue Right to Carry was on the books in Maryland, they saw, I think it was an 800% increase in the number of concealed carry applications. So there were, you know, 80,000 or so applications that first year, and most of them were approved, right? So you have this huge influx of concealed carry in a state that had been very hostile to the right to keep and bear arms. Coincidentally or not, Rick, this is the first year since 2015 that Baltimore, Maryland saw fewer than 300 homicides. So while you had this influx of armed citizens, you actually had a reduction in violent crime. But what you've seen is a rise in violent juvenile crime. Uh, and this is something that uh, we've seen, you know, in Washington, D.C. as well. We've seen in some other cities. And this is something that's really concerning. Look, these, these are people who aren't even old enough to legally access their Second Amendment rights. We're talking about 12, 13-year-olds who are committing carjackings, who are committing murders. Um, and the juvenile justice system is so broken that unless, again, you're charged with like a capital offense, you're going to get arrested. You're probably going to be returned to your parents, even if your parents are ignoring you and, and you know, allowing you to do these things. That's where you're going to go. Um, the whole goal is to, as you say, is to, to get people out of incarceration as quickly as possible. I think the goal should be to help people avoid being incarcerated in the first place by not committing these types of crimes. But once you commit a crime, there has to be consequences. Because if there aren't any consequences, then the lesson that is learned is, oh, I can do this with impunity. So I'm going to do it again. And that's what we're seeing in state after state is violent crime is is dropping in many cases. But this core group of violent repeat offenders are still out there causing untold harm and misery in their communities. And rather than deal with that Really small portion of the population. You know, in a lot of cities, we're talking about less than 1% of the population. Some places, uh, criminologists say it's less than 1% of gang members mm-hmm. who are who are responsible for more than 50% of violent crime. Instead of focusing like a laser on those few individuals who are responsible for doing this damage, again, you know, the gun control activists say, no, no, no. We have to go after everybody else, literally everybody else, except them, right? And if we place enough restrictions on everybody else, There'll be some sort of trickle-down effect on the violent criminals. We have the tools. We have the strategies. We have the tactics. Uh, in Virginia, one of the things I'm most proud of over the past couple of years is I, I helped to get a program called uh, Operation Ceasefire in place. And this is a targeted deterrence approach. It's worked in dozens of cities around the country, but Democrats didn't like it because there was a law enforcement aspect to it. They're all fine with, you know, let, let's give stipends to criminals when they don't commit crimes. Let's help them get their GEDs and job training, all of which I think is important. But the other aspect of Operation Ceasefire is if you don't do those things, if you don't take advantage of the opportunities we're giving you to turn your life around, 
Then we're going to kick your cases up to federal court. We're not going to give you a plea deal. We're going to put you away for as long as possible because one way or the other, you're going to stop shooting and we'll help you if you let us, but we'll make you if you don't. That was so problematic for Democrats in Virginia that it took multiple sessions to get funding for these programs. And, you know, again, whether you're a gun owner or a gun hater, very few of us want more violent crime, right? That's not the argument. The argument is over how do we have less violent crime? How do we improve public safety? Now, we also believe that it's important to improve public safety without infringing on our fundamental civil rights. Gun control activists don't care about that. But there are, I think, a lot of things that that we would agree on if the gun control lobbies would simply set aside their animosity towards our right to keep our arms. And their failure to do so tells me that, frankly, going after our guns is far more important to them than reducing violence. That that their priority is our rights, not stopping those wrongs. Well, Cam, I want to thank you for going up multiple sessions to get that across, because I know how heavy a lift that is. And I want to invite you back to the show because it's always a pleasure working with you and introducing this information. And I couldn't agree more. It is about going after us, not going after the violent criminal element, not putting that down once and for all. Um, That's an ongoing project and they don't want to do it. Folks, again, remember, it's that time to vote. We need you out there. We need you hitting the ballot place. And as I say every week, be safe, shoot straight and fight back for your rights and take care. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Turner's Outdoorsman, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Vortex Optics, Vortex, The Force of Optics, and by the California Rifle and Pistol Association. Hi folks, Philip Naiman. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.